we're back again. Um, my name is Dr. Beth Trammell, and I am a licensed psychologist and work mostly with kids and families. And I am so excited today to be here with my amazing friend and colleague, Jody McQuitty. And Jody, I just love you. I'm so happy that you're here. Mm, love you too, girl. <laughs> so as... Um, before we get started today, I want for you just to give people a little sense of who you are and tell us one thing fun about you. Okay, well, um, like Beth said, my name is Jody McQuitty. Um, I'm out of Noblesville. I am a licensed clinical social worker and um, coming up on close to 20 years getting my master's degree, which sounds years? so crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. You're not old enough uh, to be 2001. That. 2001, I got it, yep. And uh, I uh, spent most of my career um, about the first six years in child welfare in Chicago. And um, I've been back in Indiana now for about 18 years. Wow. And spent some time working in school systems um, as a community-based therapist and then in a crisis department. And I've had my own practice now for almost seven years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And we met while we were working together in school days. So that feels like it wasn't that long ago, but it was a long time ago. Yes, it was. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So tell us something fun about you. Um, something fun about me or maybe interesting is that, um, I'm a foster parent Yeah, and, um, I've been a foster parent now for, um, a little over a year. And so I take care of a, a brother and sister and they are amazing and just the lights of my life. And, um, I love being their mama. Yeah. I'm a foster mama. And you are so good at it, which I love too. Thank you. It's yeah. not easy. No, well, parent. Yeah, and I mean, and even I, though you're a therapist, it's still not easy being a parent. <laughs> isn't that so true? I mean, I had like I think maybe we've talked about this, but you know, as a, a psychologist who specializes in working with kids and families and parent training specifically, you know, like I spent I spent a long time really having so much like. When I'd go out in public, I had so much fear that my kids would act a mess. And then people would think, oh my gosh, how could she be giving other people advice? And she can't even keep her own kids in, you know, in order when we go out. And I had to like really work my way through that personally because it was making me a bad mom, you know, to them out in public. I would just get so stressed when they were doing things that are just normal things. And yeah. So I think it's so true that like, just because we know as a therapist, the things that should be happening, it's just so much harder when it's your own kids, right? Yes, absolutely. And even as a foster mom, right? They're, even though technically they're not your kids, they're, they're still your kids. Yes. You're a mom. And I beat myself up all the time about whatever I'm doing or, Ooh, I didn't do that right. And I probably should have done this differently, but you know. It is what it is. And I think for any parents, we just do what we feel is the best thing that we can do in that moment. And we either learn from it as a success or learn from it as, oops, that didn't work out so good. So I love that. Just I, keep moving forward. I love that. Yeah. It's just, it's just, oops. And what can I do differently or do that again or tweak it a little bit or whatever? 
Yes. I love that. So, um, sorry, I kind of took us on a sidebar there. Uh, so <laughs> when, um, when we were kind of chatting about getting together to do this, um, I know you had lots of ideas to talk about, and I know you'd be great at talking about all sorts of things based on gosh, your 20 years of experience. That's so amazing. Um, but what really is standing out to you these days that you want to chat about today? Well, I think the complexities of um, relationships right now and maintaining those relationships um, during uh, this, you know, COVID crisis right now is difficult. Um, and I primarily work with a lot of teenagers in my private practice. And um, before this, there were struggles. And now um, things are a lot worse. Yeah. Um, increase in depression, increase in anxiety, um, difficulties in maintaining those relationships because those relationships for our teens are paramount. Yeah. And they're so important and they're all used to being together all the time. Yeah. And there's always something to talk about or something coming up uh, in the togetherness when they're at school. Yeah. And so now um, there's more isolation and I have a lot of clients who are really struggling with how do I, who am I now? Basically. Yeah. Who am I? I don't know how to connect with my friends. I don't want to connect with my friends because now I feel like I have nothing good to say. Um, other than a lot of them are like, yeah, I took a nap and oh, I watched, I watched Netflix and, oh, I stayed up really late playing video games, you know, all of those kind of things that aren't really of substance. And so, um, really trying to help our teens today maintain those connections and maintaining those connections by having fruitful conversations, mm. uh, with their friends. So I have a few like topics, some things actually I found on Pinterest, mm. um, that are called, it's called thought provoking questions that I've been using yeah. and encouraging that asking them, um, first off the, themselves in their session, but also, you know, questions that they could ask their friends, Yeah, you know, to deepen those friendships and, and not have it be so surfacy, um, whatever club I'm in at school or group that I sit with at lunch, but having, you know, some of those connections be more fruitful than, um, I don't know, surfacy. Yeah. Can you think of an example of one of those questions that you've used pretty successfully that the, the teens kind of seem to like? I ask them, uh, one of the ones on here, and I have to explain it to some of them. Um, but I asked the word, I asked the question, what is your, um, what does your ideal heaven look like? Mm. And so they're like, what heaven? And I'm like, well, thinking about heaven in a sense of where's the place that you feel most comfort Sure. What feels good to you? What would be a perfect day yeah. or place that you've been or that you would want to go that you can kind of pull up from from memory? And um, and and then I kind of go into the aspect of mindfulness yeah. and how when we're practicing mindfulness and we're paying attention to our surroundings and we're allowing ourselves to just be, you know, what kind of things can we bring up for ourselves? And so I share an example of like, I, I'm someone who loves the ocean and just 
knowing that I can pull that up, those sounds, the smells of suntan lotion, the feel of the sun on your skin, um, the sounds of kids laughing and the waves and, um, you know, all those kinds of things. I can bring that up for myself. Yeah. Be like, "Ah, I know where that's at for me. Yeah. And so some of them have been, you know, had to really think about it and it's been kind of fun for them because they, I don't, that's not something that um, teenagers normally think about. Yeah. So you kind of ask, I would imagine you ask that question and maybe you get kind of like an initial sort of not so descriptive response from teenagers, Mm -hmm. right? So maybe they say, well, I just want to be at the beach. And then what you're saying is you kind of like, draw out of them like okay so tell me more descriptively yeah what does the beach do for you yeah like what does that feel like when you're there yeah um so yeah just asking more of those questions so that they're they're getting in touch with some of their senses yeah and like recall yeah um I like to do little recordings when I go places like that of recording the ocean sound or Um, One time I was on a retreat and um, I was walking in the woods and I kind of just sat on this big rock and I could really hear lots and lots of things. And it was the coolest thing ever to record it and play it back because you miss some things, you know, sometimes if you're thinking too hard. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just you take like a video recording of just your surroundings or do you? Like, yeah, yeah, just using your phone and like just hitting um, like record on one of the apps and you can just hear the sounds. Yeah. Or even taking small videos when you're certain places um, works, too, because then you can you can go back to that place of like, oh, yeah, I remember when I took this video. I remember what it was like that day. I remember how I felt, you know, either mind, body, soul um, types of scenarios. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And, you know, it's something that I had never really thought about doing, right? Like I'm, I'm always thinking about using my phone to capture like a certain thing that the kids are doing, or like I take a picture of the ocean, but I have never, I don't think I've ever taken my video camera out of, you know, on my phone or whatever to just record like just the normalcy of the birds chirping or the wind blowing or just those sounds and the, the, just like the atmosphere around me that I could go back to. I think that's such a great idea. Yes. I do it outside a lot too, just even in my backyard um, that, you know, I, I suggested to some clients to do that of even just sitting outside and like, what, what kind of things do you hear and what do you see and uh, what do you feel? Like, do you feel the wind? Do you feel a bee buzzing around your head? You know, all those little details is, is kind of like a grounding and mindful technique. Um, that that I use I love that encourage them to do yes I totally love that and you know it's so funny because just before we got on today to do this um I was outside painting some cabinets which is a whole different podcast for that but um we um I was just out there kind of by myself the kids were in the house and um there was this owl that has been out there with me and it's just the like most subtle, Mm. you know, like, 
And I, I finally, it, it had probably been making that noise for about, you know, two or three minutes before I finally was like, Oh my gosh, I love that owl just like hanging out there. And now I sort of wish that he, I would have first recorded it, or maybe I'm going to run back up there and see if that owl is still out there. Cause that's so fun. That's such a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I know that I, I originally had had another idea and I think I just went off on a different tangent, but, um, Back to back to my original thing that I wanted to share as well with the teenagers is, um, you know, maintaining maintaining those connections and deepening the connections with their friends and even family yeah. uh, when they're all home together. But also um, the loss of um, some of the sense of themselves. Oh, yes. So. Yeah. And a lot of um, work that I do with teenagers is a lot of self-esteem work and learning about who they are and who they want to be. Not so much of what society tells them they should be Mm. or what they should look like or what's true about them or putting them, you know, in a category, but it's more about looking at who are they? Mm. And also the, the truth of that. And so many teenagers struggle, even, you know, even adults, even grown women, even myself, um, or, or, and men too, and boys, you know, but, um, I, we, we all kind of struggle with that inner voice Mm. of the negative self-talk and how much we absorb in the negative self-talk or what other people have said about us yeah, or to us. And we take that on and we own it sometimes yeah, when that's not really our truth, but right. we get stuck in that. Right. Uh, I went to a training several years back with, um, there was a guy, um, his name was Shad Helmstetter and he writes books about, um, being a leader and and things of that nature. And he talked about how um, we're all kind of born with this keyboard and it's an empty and it's, and it's an empty computer. And we have this keyboard and everything someone says to us kind of gets typed into the keyboard. Mm. Like, Oh, that was a bad boy that goes in. Oh, you shouldn't do that. Or you did that wrong. That goes in. And so everything that people say to us can get really ingrained in our brains, like hard wiring of, oh, I'm bad or, oh, I'm selfish or, oh, I'm not good enough or um, I'm a bad friend or I'm a bad girl or a bad boy. And, you know, those things get very, very ingrained. Yes. And not only from like how we're raised, but also then once we get into school, uh, and, and that's, that's a really tough place. Not only, you know, does it happen in, in families and with different dynamics and how they communicate, but also within school. And so what I describe to a lot of teens is that my, my perception is in elementary school, nobody cares what you look like. No one cares what shoes you're wearing, what clothes you're wearing. If you have, you know, peanut butter and jelly on your face from lunch or, You've been digging outside and you have dirt under your fingernails and your hair is a mess. Yep, no yep. one cares. No one cares. You know, they're just focused on, oh, I want to have friends. You know, I want to, I want to have fun. Yeah. And then you get into middle school 
and middle school, it's almost like everyone's senses come alive because they are watching each other like a hawk. You know, it's like spidey sense for any flaw someone may have. And it inadvertently a lot of times gets exploited. Mm. And um, the insecurities come and they start to notice what each other's wearing and what their hair looks like and who has the the newest Jordans or um, what kind of backpack they're they're using. And so there's so many examples of how there's like this, you know, spidey sense radar on people. Okay, buddy. Um, So intermission, my child needs to go to the bathroom. So thank you. Good. Announcing that. Um, and then once you get to, so the, the middle school age is like really tough. And then depending on where you live, if you have a really big high school, you get in high school and then anything goes. Yeah. You know, there's, there's still the groups. There's still the, the competition about who's what and doing this and what car they're driving and those sorts of things. And, and, it, and it's a little less. But then when you get to college, it's a free for all. Yeah. You don't have to worry anymore. You can go to class in your pajamas and a messy bun. No one cares. Yeah. But during like, you know, probably even like 11 to 15, 16, and even older, um, many of my clients get very stuck in the negatives. Yes. And the, the, the things that they believe about themselves. Um, so how I address this is um, I talk about it in the frame of that those negative thoughts uh, or negative self-talk are lies. Mm-hmm. And then we try to transition into truth. And so I use the term lies or even, um, in, you know, interference of the enemy or Satan, yep. you know, things that put us in a dark place, things that um, hold us back from being um who we were meant to be yeah and what god says about us yeah and so uh in my office i will ask them to kind of purge um and and this this is really effective speaking of purging this is really um, effective with a lot of people with eating disorders because Mm -hmm. so much of it is mental health and um negative self-talk and invasion of of things just kind of poisoning our minds in some ways. Yeah. And so we do um, a list that's called lies and we kind of purge all of those out on paper. Um, so I just, I give them time. They kind of write out all the things like I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm not worthy. Um, I'll never amount to anything. You know, my teeth are messed up or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they just kind of come up, come up with this list and, and it's, and it's pretty hard. Yeah. It's hard work to put that out and be vulnerable to share with someone what you're really, really feeling about yourself and what you're believing, most importantly, believing about yourself. Yeah. Um, and so then after that, I, I go through each one individually and um, kind of process what that looks like for them. Yeah. Um, and then comes the hard part because, you know, they're believing all these negative things. And um, I'm then going to be challenging them to believe something else. Yeah. And to come up with something else. So one of the one of the most 
um, I guess one of the best examples that comes up with a lot of um, teenage girls I work with is I'm ugly. Yep. Or I'm fat. Yep. And so I challenge them to think about the aspect of I am. Uh And so when we say I am dumb or I am ugly, we're claiming it. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm about. I'm fat. I'm ugly. I'm claiming it. Mm. And so it almost gives that negative power. Yep. You know, and so when we twist it, when we change it to be more positive, I encourage them to think about, too, like, you know, God says, I am, you know, he is the I am. And that's power. That's power over um, with truth. Yeah. And we don't have to give the power to the negative, but kind of switching over to what's the truth? You know, are you, are you really ugly? Are you, are you fat? Are you really dumb? You know, so I asked those questions and they're like, well, no, I, I guess not. You know, it's not sure because I'm starting asking those questions. Like, are you really? Yeah. And that gets it that that's where it starts to get really tough. I feel like I've said that a few times, but it, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because they have to get real, real about it. Yeah. And so if we take the, the example of I am, um, I am ugly. So you can go with scripture. Like I I'll have a, um, I have a sheet that says like what you say and then versus what God says. Mm -hmm. And then there's like scripture so that if, if they are someone who's a Christian or, um, bases a lot of things on, on scripture and they believe scripture to be truth, then there's no arguing it. Yeah. Like it just takes, takes it away. Like here's concrete evidence. What God says, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. Yeah. You know, you are beautiful. You are worthy because I made you. And so, um, even if they don't believe it, not something like, what, why do I write? Why would I write something down that I don't believe? Mm -hmm. Well, because you're going to start claiming that as that's your truth now. Like I am beautiful. Yeah. Like I am worthy, yeah. you know, I am smart. Yeah. And so we're, and then we kind of, we go through this process, which is, is usually a, a few sessions Sure. Um, and it comes up, you know, at various times, but um, it becomes really tough because we're challenging the parts that have been ingrained in our brains and our thoughts and our feelings about ourselves and challenging that with what we really want to believe. Yeah. And I mean, even as you were saying it, it's like, I, I remember working with some teens that would feel like saying I am beautiful. They would feel like that's risky, you know, like feel very uncomfortable, very risky to say I'm beautiful. It's almost like, it's almost like as horrible as it is, it feels easier just to say I'm ugly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, I hate that for us as a society, for us as humans, that it's it's so much easier to roll off the tongue all of the horribly negative things about ourselves. And then, you know, the other stuff that on some parts of us, and I think even probably teenagers too, there's some parts of them that know it's better for them to say out loud, I'm not ugly, I'm beautiful. But it feels so risky. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of them will say too, like, well, but I don't believe it. So why would I write? Why do you want me to write down something I don't believe? Yeah. Or, well, doesn't that sound conceited or cocky yeah. if I say that about myself? Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, no, you go girl. Like uh-huh. you claim that. Yeah. If that's what you want to believe about yourself and take the power back from the negative, you can say that all day. Yeah. It's not like you're going around and, and going up to people and saying, hi, I'm beautiful. Yeah. It's more for you. It's yeah. more sacred for you to keep that within yourself. Or, I mean, we generally will then do like an art project or I'll encourage them to make something with their I am statements. That's yeah. the truth that they can put in their rooms and look at morning and night or when they're having a hard time, like, Oh, I feel, you know, really like my hair's messed up today. And they go to, you know, their truth, um, poster or whatever they've made and been like, Oh no, like I have awesome hair and I have hair on my head and I'm grateful. Yeah. So I mean, it just depends. I bet it's also just so healing for them to just hear like, this is about my inner peace. This is about my inner narrative. And, you know, if I can calm the negativity in my inner narrative, I can then begin to differentiate the truth from the lie. Yes. Right. I mean, and I think that that's what you're saying is both the hardest part, but once they start to get the hang of it, they can really start to differentiate the truth from the lie. Yes. Yeah. And then the um, a thing that I use with younger kids, and I've been doing this for years, um, and I've gotten some pretty funny responses before, but <laughs> I won't share because they were really inappropriate. Um, but for some little ones, um, you know, if my foster son says like, oh, I'm just stupid, like, oh, I'm so dumb. Well, I make him, I'm like, what do you need to do now? And he's like, oh, I have to say two positive things about myself. Yeah. So every time he says something, he knows what's coming because we want to like cross out and make it equal and then add a positive. Yeah. So it's like over like correct, correct, over correcting yeah. um, the negative thing that they've said. Yeah. And almost like really teaching them like it's really not it's really not good to say things out loud that are mean to anyone including yourself yes I mean I've had that same talk with my middle school daughter where she you know I think we train our kids to be kind to other people and we talk about don't say mean things to your friends and don't say mean things to this or that or this but then I think sometimes because I've been guilty of this where I, I haven't spent as much time making sure she's kind to herself yeah So I love that that. it's easy to forget. I love that. um, Just kind of like mini intervention that you do where it's like, he says one negative thing and then you make him say two positive things to himself out loud. So it, again, like you said, kind of crosses out one and then adds a bonus. Yes. Yeah. I love that. All right. So one, one, the last thing that you want uh, you know, what's your, what's your favorite tip for parents to kind of help? You've already given so many practical ideas, but what's one thing that you often say to parents about helping, helping them 
help their children or their teens like stay true to that identity and who they are? Uh, I would say mainly that um, I just encourage them to, um, gosh, that's kind of a hard one because I say a lot of different things depending on the client. Um, hmm. Is there a theme around the things you say? Yes, there there is, I would say, a theme. Um, a lot of it is helping them just to remind their child that um, no matter what they do, that they're loved. Yeah. And that it's okay to make mistakes. Mm. And that it's safe. It needs, you know, parents need to make it safe for their children, um, especially teens, to talk about anything they need to talk about or confess whatever they need to without um, severe punishment. Because yeah. I think that that's what stops a lot of our um, kids from telling the parents the truth or or teenagers asking for help. Because like, well, if I tell my mom that I was out with my friends and we stopped at so-and-so's house and they drank a beer, then they're not going to let me be friends with that person anymore. Yep even though the, the, the kiddo did the right thing and maybe, you know, they were like, well, no, you shouldn't do that. Or, or they didn't do that themselves. And, and they set a boundary with their friends. Then, you know, if, if there's the fear of, if I tell my mom or dad this, mm-hmm. I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to lose friends. I'm going to have people that I'm not allowed to hang out with anymore. Yeah. And, um, so that's that's probably a main thing that I yeah um, discuss with parents, but also um, encouraging them. Um, my my kiddos actually, and I encourage them to share these things with their parents. Yeah, and for parents to learn from some of that too, because a lot of a lot of kids will get their thoughts from their parents. Like if they hear the parent like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so fat, I need to go on a diet." Yep. Or, oh, I just, um, I don't, I don't know. That's the main thing that I, that I would hear sometimes if, if parents are saying yeah. those kind of negative things. So it kind of puts those different ideas into, um, their children's heads and they don't even mean to. I, mean, I know. It's a purposeful thing. It just happens. I know. It's, it's, I think it's so easy to do that. Like I have been super intentional about not ever saying anything about my own body or on my daughter. Um, and in some ways that's probably even just as I'm saying this out loud, I'm having my own therapy session with you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying anything like not even anything positive, you know? So I'm so, I'm so like, um, what am I trying to say? I'm so cautious that I don't even say positive things about my body, which isn't good either. But to your point, it's something that just when we feel a certain way about our bodies or the way we do certain things, it's so easy just to slip off the tongue to say something negative out loud about yourself that your kids just pick up on. Yes. Just so easy yeah. to do. I'll like maybe drop something on the floor and I'll be like, Oh my gosh, I'm such an idiot. Uh-huh. Why did I do that? Dang it. Yeah. And and my foster son, I'll be like, Joe, 
No, you're not an idiot. You just dropped it on the floor and that's okay. Yeah. And he'll tell me, oh, you need to say two positive things about yourself. And I'll be like, you are absolutely right. Yes, I do. And so when you start speaking that language a little bit, I mean, I think it's helpful, you know, to the grownups too, of those reminders of, of, um, the importance for us to do that for ourselves as well. Oh my gosh. This has been so good. I already am like, I, I am like going to go, <laughs> go back and do all these things differently. But okay. So my website, um, for any of our listeners who want to follow along, um, make words matter for good.com and on Facebook, MWM, make words matter, MWM with kids. Uh, that's where you can find us on Facebook. And for, um, my amazing friend, Jody, tell us where folks can find you if they're in the indie area and need an awesome teen counselor or their own counseling, give us your, um, give us all your info. Okay. Um, so my website is just noblesvillecounseling.com and, um, I can also receive email at noblesvillecounseling at gmail.com. And, um, I also have a Facebook that's Noblesville Counseling, um, Noblesville Counseling Center. Center. So, um, I don't, I do, um, a few posts now and then. Um, but yeah, that's where I can be reached. Awesome. Jody, I'm so thankful for you and all of your expertise and everything you shared today. I just know it's going to be so helpful. There were several moments where I just sort of got chills, like, just thinking about how powerful this will be for people who are listening. So I'm just so thankful for you. Well, I'm so glad to do it. Um, You know, when you, when you just are somebody who has a helpful heart and you just want to pass along little, little tidbits, we all need it. Parent, client, therapist, you know, kids. Yeah. We're We're all doing it together. Yes. Over and over. Oh yeah. All right, my friend. I appreciate you. I will talk with you soon. Okay. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.